This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. We're launching a new series today, uh, week one. We're calling this series uh, Stories. And what we're talking about is how God is able to write a better story with our life once we give him the pen to our life. And today we're going to see how Jesus wrote a better story when something went wrong in some people's lives. In fact, this is the first noted miracle of Jesus, and it just happened to be at a wedding where things go wrong. How many of you know sometimes at weddings things can go wrong? I've done a lot of weddings in, 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 in my years of ministry, and uh, I can tell you things go wrong. Have you ever watched any of those videos where things go wrong in in weddings, I mean, I mean, things happen in weddings, right? In fact, we have one that I want to show you today at all the capsules. Go ahead and look at the screen. Uh, this is a wedding gone wrong. Chloe, will you have Keith to be your wedded husband, to live together in the covenant of marriage? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, be faithful to him, as long as you both shall live. The rings, please. Oh, oh God! No! 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 Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! God. Are you okay? Oh, my God. Wow. 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 (laughs) That wasn't a good night for them. Oh, my, 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 my. Um, As we look at this story today, um, as we read it and talk about it, uh, there's three questions that that I want you to consider. I want you to ask yourself. Here's the first question. What does this story teach me about Jesus? The second thing I want you to ask yourself is, how does this story apply to my life personally? And here's the third question. Is this story requiring a response from me? Let's pray to all of our campuses. Father, we're just so grateful for for this moment where the Celebration family is together, God, at all of our locations and God, we're just, we're expecting and believing for you to do what you can only do. God, we cleaned up well, we dressed up nice, but the truth of the matter is we all have issues, we all have situations that we need your help. And God, I pray that you would use me today to speak as a mouthpiece from heaven. God, to share your good news that would be helpful, answers to the questions people are asking. God, I just thank you for your ability, your, your power, your, your, your help. That God, in this moment, things are changing in our lives. God, we're getting the help that we need. I, I, I thank you for the healing power of God that touches people spiritually, soulishly, and physically. God, I pray that you speak to us through this story 
today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, if you love him, somebody, somebody shout, somebody clap, somebody. In John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we're going to read several verses here. And uh, this is, this is uh, again, the very first recorded miracle of Jesus. It says, three days later, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at a wedding feast in the village of Canaan in Galilee. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited and were there. Notice that Jesus had been invited. And when the wine was all gone, Mary said to Jesus, they don't have any more wine. Jesus replied, mother, my time hasn't come. I like this part. You must not tell me what to do. <laughs> so Jesus is telling, Jesus is telling his mother, uh, uh, mom, I'm 30 years old. And it's, it's time for you to quit trying to tell me what to do. But how many of you know moms like to tell? It don't matter if you're 50. I'm, 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 you know, I'm just shy of 40. But, but my mom still. Moms like to tell their kids what to do still. So, so he says, you must not tell me what to do. Mary then said to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I like that. At the feast, there were six stone water jars that were, they were used by people for washing themselves in the way that their religion said they must. Each jar held about 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants to fill them to the top with water. And then after the jars had been filled, he said, now take some water and give it to the man in charge of the feast. And the servants did as Jesus told them. And when he tasted it, the water had become wine. He did not know where the wine came from, but the servants who had brought the water knew, they, they knew. The master of the wedding called the bridegroom and said to him, people always serve the best wine first later. After the guests have been drinking a while, they serve them the cheaper wine. But you have saved the best wine till now. Verse 11, so in Cana of Galilee, Jesus did his first miracle. Again, he's at the age of 30. There he showed his glory. Now catch this, this statement here. And his followers believed in him. His followers believed in him. We're taking this story from the Gospel of John. It's John's account, his eyewitness account of the, of the stories and miracles that he's seen Jesus perform. It's just story after story, miracle after miracle. And it's, it's amazing here because in the very first story, the very first miracle that Jesus performs, turning the water into wine, the Bible says that at the end of it, that the followers then believed. And what really is interesting is John ends his book and says there's so many more stories and so many more miracles that we could tell you about. In fact, there's not enough volumes of, of books out there to, to put all that Jesus has done. But then he says this, but, but we've recorded these stories, these stories in the gospel of John so that you would believe. And, and that's our prayer in these stories today is that, is that if you don't have a relationship with God, uh, that, that, that you would believe in God. That, that's, that's our prayer. And, and maybe you're here and you believe in God. Maybe you're one of the Kansas, you believe in God, but, but, but you need 
you need healing and you need deliverance and you, you need a breakthrough and you need a miracle. And, and, and we're telling the story today so that you would believe in healing and you would believe in God's power. We're going to tell this story today. And I believe in this story, there's help for us regardless where we're at in life. Um, so here they are, they're at a wedding and, uh, you know, weddings in that day are not like weddings in our days. You know, usually, you know, two, three hours, four hours, our weddings are over. But actually, in their day, their weddings went on for a week, about six to seven, seven days. And uh, they hadn't hardly even started this wedding. They're only actually in about the second day of this wedding. And they have already ran out of wine. Apparently, the guests were really drinking the wine. Now, this is a major mishap. It's a huge embarrassment uh, for the wedding party, uh, for the families there, and especially for the, the host, the one that had put the wedding all together. And it's in this setting where they've ran out of wine that the very first miracle takes place. Uh, Jesus, again, he's at the age of 30, and he, he takes this water and turns it into wine. Now, now, all of the other miracles of Jesus, I mean, they were showstoppers. I mean, when you think about it, if you was to read the rest of the book of John or any of the Gospels, it's amazing the miracles that, that are recorded. I mean, Jesus would open blind eyes. He would, he would, he would cause uh, deaf people to, to, to hear again. People who are paralyzed, they begin to walk. I mean, we, we, see, we see miracles where Jesus is walking on the water, where he commands the wind and the storms to to see. see we, we see times where he would interrupt funerals and cause dead people back to life. He called Lazarus out of, out of the tomb. I mean, there was, there was show stoppers, stopping miracles that, that are recorded in the Bible. Uh, this, this story is, is just, they've ran out of wine. It, it might be a social embarrassment, but come on, guys. It's not the end of the, the world. What, is, what does this say about, about Jesus? Why, why is this recorded in the Bible? I, I, think, I think it's saying that Jesus cares about the little things in our life. I think he, he's saying that he cares about those things that go wrong in our, our life. Uh, listen, if Jesus cares about 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 drinks at a wedding, then he probably cares about the specific issue that's in your life. Now, before we go on, I want to just lay a little bit of theology here. I know that's a the big word, but I really want you to understand that this really isn't about water and wine. There, there is a significant spiritual meaning here in this story, and, and I want to make sure that that we frame it with this. Remember the opening text we read it. Let me read it again. It says, the water jars were used by the people for washing themselves in the way, now hear it, in the way that their religion said they must. Water in this story here is symbolic of the Jewish customs. It was their religion, their rules, their rituals, their their traditions. Now, wine throughout all of the Bible uh, represents joy. It represents happiness. It represents celebration. It represents abundant life. 
You see, Jesus wasn't just turning water into wine in his very first miracle, but in his very first miracle, he's actually revealing to them that he had come to turn their dead religion, their rules, their regulations into a relationship with him where they could experience an abundant life full of joy and happiness and celebration. Come on, that's good stuff right there. The Bible says in verse 3 that the wine supply ran out during the festivities. They had no more, no more wine. Have you ever had a no more wine situation? Has anybody ever ran out? Anybody ever ran out of joy? Anybody's ever run out of peace and vision and dream and belief and and strength? What is your no more? Maybe for you it's, it's been a no more patience for the situation that you've been facing. Maybe for you it's been a no more fight for the that addiction that has been hounding you. Maybe it's a, a no more love for that marriage relationship that you're in. Maybe it's a no more forgiveness to give that betrayal. Uh, what have you, what have you ran out of? I, I know some of you are still thinking about wine, but come on in here and let's, let's go a little deeper. What, what have you ran out of? Maybe you've lost the job and you've ran out. Maybe you, you, the, the career didn't work, the business failed and, and you ran out. Maybe, maybe you went bankrupt and you lost everything and, and you, you ran out. Maybe the dream, the, the dream became a nightmare and, and you're, you're here today at one of the campuses and you just say, hey, I, I'm, I've just ran out. Uh, maybe, maybe you're here and your health isn't good. Maybe the doctor uh, has not given you much hope and you've just, you've just ran out. Uh, maybe the relationship went bad. Maybe the spouse was unfaithful and you've ran, you've ran out. Uh, a lot of us parents can relate to this one. Uh, your kids did it again. And um, they just can't get it right. And you're tired and you've ran, you've ran out. You, you, you've been disappointed again, hurt again, wounded again, and you ran out. And you've had a loss again and you've grieved again and, and you have ran out. At some point, hear me, at some point, the truth of the matter is, in life, you're going to run out and you're going to need a miracle. Now, when we, we talk about a miracle, what are we saying? We're talking about God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And, and again, we all run out and need a miracle at times. Uh, what do you do when you run out of wine? That's a question I'm asking you at all the camp. What is it that you do when you run out of wine? For so many people, they just try to finish their life with, with water. They, they just conclude, well, this is, this is my life. This is just the way it's going to be. I'll just survive and I'll just tolerate this, this huge dysfunction. But I, I want to I wanna grab you by your collar today at all the campuses 
And, and, and I want to tell somebody here today that Jesus doesn't want your wedding. Jesus doesn't want your life to end with water. Jesus wants to turn your water into wine. Jesus wants you to have some joy. Jesus wants you to have some peace. Jesus wants you to have some healing. Jesus wants you to have some abundant life. Jesus has best wine for you. Jesus has your best days for you. Let's refuse to survive. Come on. God wants us to... Okay, I may be preachy, but God wants us to thrive. Come on, God's got a better life. Don't be satisfied with water when Jesus can come and give you joy and peace and abundance. So what is it that we can learn from this story? I'm going to give you quickly three things that we can learn from this story. Here's the first thing that we can learn from this story. Number one, invite Jesus to your wedding. Invite Jesus to your wedding. Uh, life is better. Life is better with Jesus. Uh, the, difference, the difference at this wedding is, is that Jesus was there. That, that's, that's the difference. Now, now, I know as a pastor, uh, you would expect me to say this, but, but I would submit to you that, 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 that life is better when Jesus is in your home in your life, in your relationships, in your work. Listen, life is better when Jesus is, is, is invited into every pursuit of your life. It's just better. You see, life is, in life, you're, you're going to run out, and, and you're going to run out of peace, and you're going to run out of joy, and you're going to run out of patience, and you're going to run out of hope. Uh, but, but, but I'm here to tell, me, tell you that, that when you run out, if Jesus is there, he just makes things better. As I was thinking about my life over the last however many years, almost 35 years of of marriage, man, our life is so much better because we just involved Jesus into our life. And and we've gone through a lot of painful things. Man, there's been a lot of disappointments, been a lot of discouragements. I can't tell you how many times we've lost everything, went bankrupt, faced situations we didn't know how to get through. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus was always there, and he was always turning our water into wine. I look sometimes and I wonder, how do people do it without Jesus? Your life will always be better when Jesus is there. Um, and I, I can remember times in our marriage that, man, it was tough. It was hard. She wasn't treating me right. But, but Jesus was there. We, we made up our mind that we were going to have a marriage built on Jesus. We made up our mind that we we're going to raise kids built on Jesus. We made up our mind that every point of our life, every aspect of our life, every part of our life, every pursuit of our life, that Jesus is going to be invited. Life is better when Jesus is invited to your, to your wedding because you're going to run out. Oh, yeah, you're going to face situations, but I'm here to tell you that's when Jesus can step in. I'm talking about when your kids aren't acting right, when they're going crazy and you don't understand and your heart is hurting and your heart is breaking, but that's where Jesus can step in and turn the water into into wine. Invite Jesus to your wedding. That's what we can learn. Here's the second thing that we can learn from the story, be willing to do whatever. 
be willing to do whatever. Here, here they are. They've just ran out of wine. And it's at this moment that, that the mother of Jesus takes charge. I like this. Don't, don't you like this? The mother of Jesus takes charge. Aren't you thankful for godly mothers? I mean, think about it. Some of us wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for a praying grandmother. Come on, give it up for all the godly mothers. All the praying grandmothers. Jesus' mother takes charge. Notice what she says here in verse 5. Mary then said to the servants, do, let's all say it together, whatever Jesus tells you to do. So here are these servants. We're never told their names. It's kind of interesting. They're just the unnamed servants willing to do whatever. This is amazing because this is such a contrast to the, to the generation and the culture that we live in. We live in such a generation where everybody wants their name known, right? We want our name in the magazine. We want our face on the billboard. We want our picture on social media. We want the accolades, the awards. We want the recognition. We want all the likes we can get. But it's interesting that the very first miracle, hear me, the very first miracle started by guys who are not even named, just unnamed guys who were willing to do whatever. They were just willing to do whatever. What if if God was looking for you to do whatever? Did you know? Did you know you're, <laughs> I want to make sure you get it. I want to make sure you hear this. Did you know that, that marriages would work out if spouses would just be willing to do whatever? If they'd just be willing to forgive and love and let it go, marriages would work out. Did you know families would be would be healthier if, if, if families would just be willing to do whatever. Churches would, would flourish and, and grow if people would just be willing to do whatever. I'm just here to tell you that your willingness to do whatever gets heaven's attention. So, so, so here is Jesus, catch this, this is part of the story that he begins to instruct these, these guys, these servants, and he tells them to fill the water pots with water. Now, th- this is our water pot today, and, and, and this is about the size that the water pot was in, in, in Jesus' day. For those that don't know, it was customary in their homes that they would have a water pot. It would hold about 30 gallons of water, and when you would come into that home, you would, you would first of all, it was their custom, their religion, their rules that you would have to wash your feet, and that was a good thing to do because they, they were on dirty, dusty roads, and so they would come into the home, and the first thing they'd do is they would wash their feet with these, these water pots, and then when they would go have a meal, it was their rules, their, their religion, their regulations, that they would go and they would wash their, their hands. It was a ceremonial act, and they would wash their hands, and they would go eat the first course of the meal, and after the first course of the meal, they would have to get up and go wash their hands again before they would eat the second course or the third course or regardless how many courses you washed your hands between each course. In fact, that's the reason why the religious people got so angry at Jesus' disciples because they said to Jesus, why, why don't your disciples wash their hands? It's our custom. It's our, it's our religion. 
And so, so, so this, this water pot filled with water would, would weigh somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 pounds. The pot itself was about 50 pounds. So you had a 300 pound pot. So you don't take this to go get water because they're empty. We got six of them. And Jesus says, I need you to go fill the water pots. There's six of them. They all hold 30 gallons, right? So 180 gallons. So, 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 so I need you to, I need you to go get water and fill them up. So they would grab these little pails of, uh, or these little pans that would hold about three gallons. And, and, and they would, they would go out to the water source. Probably they would probably be a well or something. And, and they would pump the water in and then they would come back to the water pot and they would pour it into the pot. And then they would have to go out to the water source, pump out the water, come back in and pour in. If you do the calculations, it's about 70 70 trips or 70 70 of these. Now that's a lot of that's a lot of trips. That's a lot of work. So, so, so these guys are just going out to the well. They're pumping out the water. They're walking in and they're pouring it into the jars. They're going back out to the wells. They're pumping the water. They're coming back in and they're pouring it in the, the jar again and again. Think, think about it. They're, they're thinking, this, this is crazy. This has got to be crazy. Think, think about what they were going through because this just didn't take a minute or two. This, this is taking some time. And they're, they're, they're going out there and they're pumping out water, but the problem is they need wine. To them, this makes no sense. Isn't that just like God? He asks you to do things that make no sense. And so they're just pumping out the water and they are pouring it into the jars. They're, they're, they're pumping out the water, water in, water out. We, we don't need water, God. We need, we need wine. Water in, water out. Doing it again and again and again. Just doing whatever he says to do. This is, this is amazing. And then they get all the six water pots full. And then Jesus has another instruction. Now take some of the water that you put in the water pot. Take some of it out. And take it to the host of the wedding. And so they did. They, they took some of the water out. And now they are walking to the host of the party. The one that has prepared the party. They are walking to the host. They're walking to the host. Now, now we don't know. We don't know when that water became wine. We just know that when the host drank it, the Bible says that he did not drink water, but he drank wine. So, so we don't know if it was the first step. We don't know if it was a second step. We don't know if it was a 20th step, but this is what we know. This miracle took place because these unnamed servants were just wheeling to walk with water. They were just willing to do whatever he said. Oh, come on, somebody. Just willing to do. You have to be willing to walk with water. You know, so many people, this, this is what they do. They say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to walk with water. I, I need a miracle from God. And so what I'll do is I'll just sit and watch and and so they, they look in their bucket and they, they look and they say, no, no, my kids are just, they're still the same. 
They're not willing to do whatever. They're not willing to walk with. So, so they just sit and they just, they just, they just look and, and wait on God. And no, no, he's, my kid's kid. No, there, there's, there, it's just water. It's still, still water. No, my marriage, it's, 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 it's just the same. You know, no, I've been tithing for three weeks and I'm still broke. It's, it's just, it's just water. Really? Three weeks? Just three weeks? That's it? See, you've got to be willing to walk with water till it turns to wine. You just keep going out. You just keep, you keep going to the pump and you pump it out water and you pour it in. You just keep walking because we don't know if it's going to turn on the first step, the second step, or the 20th step. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll keep walking with water, by the time you get it where God wants you to get it, he will transform your water into wine. I've been coming to church every week. No, it's just when my wife is as ugly as she's ever been. It's just water. <laughs> Come on, keep walking. Somebody say, keep walking. Come on, somebody shout, keep walking. Listen, here's our attitude. We're expecting wine, but we're willing to walk with water. We're going to keep walking with water till God turns our water into wine. We're going to keep doing whatever he says to do. What is it that he says to do? You've got a Bible. Start reading it. It's the whatevers of God. And if you'll just keep doing the whatevers, eventually transformation will come to your life. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I can't tell you when it's going to change. I can't tell you when it's going to turn. But I can tell you that it happens when you're willing to do the whatever. As I was preparing this, I thought about the other time that Jesus encounters 10, 10, 10 guys, 10 men who had leprosy. Uh, leprosy in the Bible days was a death sentence. It, it was a skin disease that would literally devour their flesh. If you had leprosy, uh, it, would, it, would, it would end up eating off your fingers and toes, and you'd start losing your nose and ears. It, it, leprosy was a horrific disease in that day. And 10 lepers come to Jesus, and Jesus wanting to heal them, he looks at those 10 lepers who no doubt are missing ears and nose and, and fingers. And he looks at them and he says, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. As they did the whatevers of God, they were healed. As they begin to, to walk with their issue... All of a sudden, it didn't happen when Jesus, all of a sudden, as they're walking to the priest, all of a sudden, fingers begin to grow out. All of a sudden, they get their ear backs. All of a sudden, they get their nose back. All of a sudden, they were healed. Why were they healed? Because they were willing to walk with water. They were willing to do the whatevers of God. Come on, somebody ought to shout about that. Are we willing to do the whatevers? Of God, what if God is just needing you to do the whatever? Um, people say, "I, I want to see God's miracles in my. I want to see that kind. I want to see what, like, like, like what He did with this wine, and I want to see what He did for the lepers, and I want to. What, what, what? Are you willing to do the whatevers? 
If you want to see that kind of power in your life, you've got to be willing to do the whatever people will say. I wish we could see more miracles in our church. We get, we get ugly emails all the time and ugly things all the time. They'll say things like, man, we want to see more miracles in the church. We want to see more power. We want to see God do greater things in the church. But the, but the thing is, is that we're not going to see greater things in the church if the people aren't willing to do whatever. It's not the pastor praying more. It's not the pastor being more anointed. It's just people being willing. Could, could it be that that the church isn't as powerful as it could be because people are saying, well, well I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't serve. And I don't do children's and I don't do groups. You know, that group thing isn't for me. But see, God needs a church that's willing to come together and get off the sidelines and get in the game. And, and willing to do the whatever. What would, what would happen with celebration at all of our campuses if we all got in the game and said, God, whatever you have told me to do, I'll follow the book of Acts, the model of the church. I'll get involved. I'll serve. I'll help. I'm here to tell you what would happen. You would see the water being turned into. It's not your preacher praying more fasting more. It's all of us getting in the game more. And I'm going to clap for myself right there. <laughs> Miracles were birthed out of guys who were willing to do whatever. Heaven is drawn to those who are willing to do whatever. In John chapter 2, 9, it says, when he tasted, and worship team, you can come back. When he tasted it, the water had become wine. He, he did not know where the wine came from, but the servants who had brought the water, they, they knew. This is, this is an important point as we begin to wrap this up and get to our last point here. Notice the, that, that he didn't know, but they knew. The, the, the host of the party didn't know, but the servants knew that they knew where it had come from. The, the, the host just knew it was wine, but they knew it had been, been water. Don't miss this point. When, when God blesses you, when God heals you, when God gives you joy and peace and fixes all your mess, uh, don't, don't forget where it came from. Don't, don't forget that, that, that it was water before it ever became wine that God took you. See, see, I don't have time to preach on this, but the truth of the matter is this water, it was dirty water. It wasn't drinkable water. It's a whole other message in and of itself. But God is just showing I can take the dirty things of your life and make them beautiful. Come on, when God restores the marriage, when God blesses you, when God gives you the car, God gives you the house, don't you, don't you forget where that came from. Boy, do I know this to be true. That's something I have, I have learned in the last couple of months of my life. Me and my wife have been living in an apartment for the last few months. It's been years since we've lived in an apartment. Uh, and we're not above an apartment. We're happy in an apartment. But, but, um, but uh, it's, it's reminded me how blessed I am. Uh, crazy things happen in apartments. Crazy parties happen. In a, you, you stay awake all night at apartments. The, the, it's just apartment living is crazy. Now, listen, we, we didn't start out in apartments. We started out in trailers. 
not double wide trailers, trailers you, you towed behind a car. When I brought my first son home from the hospital, we were in a travel trailer, so we're not above anything. But, but, but God was reminding me where he had brought me from. Don't forget Don't forget when God fixes that marriage. Don't forget when God fixes those finances. Don't forget when God fixes that relationship. Listen, you were suicidal. And God turned your water into wine. You you were dying with that disease. And God showed up and turned your water. You were without hope. You were stuck in a bad place. and, And Jesus showed up and turned your water into wine. Don't forget what Jesus has done for you. Verse 10, it says, a master of the wedding called the bridegroom and said to him, people always serve the best wine first. Later, after the guests have been drinking a while, they they serve the cheaper wine. I think we all get that, right? But notice what he says here. Come on, catch this today. But you have saved the best wine till. Everybody say it together. Now. Say it again. Say now. Come on, to all of our campuses, say now you have kept the best wine till till now here's the third thing we can learn from this story number three the best is now the best is is now this is huge some of you are thinking man my best days are behind me especially the older you get my 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 best days of life, my best days of family, my best days of work, my best days of ministry, they're, they're behind me. It's so easy to believe that the best is already gone. But, but hear me at all the campuses today. That's not true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because with Jesus, the best isn't yesterday and the best isn't tomorrow. The best is right now. And I have kind of bought into that lie a little bit. I'm always saying, hey, the best is yet to come. That's not true. The best is not yet to come. The best is right now. I can't sing the song tomorrow, tomorrow, because why? Tomorrow never comes. Your yesterdays are gone. Your tomorrows are not here. It's today you need wine. It's today you need joy. It's today you need peace. It's today you need healing. And God is saying, I can do it today. I'm a miracle worker, and I will do it today in your homes, in your lives, and in your families. Don't you believe the lie that your best days are ahead of you or your best days are behind you Come in line with the truth of God's words and believe whether you're 30 or 14 or 80 or 100 that your best day is right now. Come on, somebody. I wonder wonder what you're getting ready to bump into today. I wonder what's getting ready to happen today. I wonder what miracle is getting ready to happen today now. Healing now. Provision now. Joy now. Wine now. Abundant life now. Somebody shout now. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Somebody shout now. Come on. Somebody shout now. And all of our captains shout now. 
I feel this. I feel, I feel God is in this moment. I wonder what's getting ready to happen right now with your body right now, with your soul right now, with that addiction right now, right now, I declare you're whole. I declare right now, as you have a heart to do whatever, that your water is being turned into wine. I declare healing in your body. I command cancer and sickness and disease to go. I speak healing and wholeness over blood and organs. I command backs to be made whole. I, I speak to muscles and joints and bones and I speak to the immune system to be strong. I speak to minds. I speak to clog arteries be opened. I declare health and healing by the stripes of Jesus. Your sickness is being turned into health and healing. Your poverty is being turned into provision and blessings and abundance. Somebody shout now. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Bow your heads. At all of our campuses, eyes closed, heads bowed. So we wrap up this service, getting ready to receive your worship and your giving. Go back into a song. But as we close this service, I again want you to consider these three questions as God is doing a work in your life. I'm here to tell you, hear me, church, and all the it can change right now. I know, I know some of you are so overwhelmed with the pain, but it can change right now. I want you to consider these questions once again as we close. What does this story teach me about Jesus? I'll tell you what it teaches you. He cares. He cares about what's going on in your life. Here's the second question. How does this story apply to my life? personally right now what is it that I need to do and here's the third question is this story requiring a response from me God I pray at all of our campuses that you would do a work God as people pick up their buckets of water to do whatever you have said to do I thank you that a miracle is taking place God, we don't know if it's happening on the first step, the second step, the 20th step. But we know, God, if we're committed to doing the whatever, that there'll be a moment and a time that you turn the water into wine. And I pray, God, you would sweep over these facilities, over these campuses, over the lives and families. And God, begin to work your miracles. Do what only you can do in their lives. God, I pray that this story would cause believers to believe again, to believe in your power, to believe in your help, to believe in your joy, to believe in your happiness, to believe in your abundance. And God, I pray for those that don't have a personal relationship with you, that the Holy Spirit would draw them right now. At all of our campuses, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm here to tell you, God writes great endings to stories. Did he not write a great ending here to this story? And if you will surrender the pen of your life, I'm here to tell you, God can write a great ending to your story. And it all starts with surrendering your life. 
The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I look all over this campus and and they're in Madeira and they're in Fresno. If you're not right with God, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You never allowed him to turn your water into, into wine. You've never received salvation. Or you might say, you know, I did that at one time, but I, I'm really not living for God and I really just need to rededicate my life. I'm here to tell you on any of those two invitations, if you'll surrender your life, God will rewrite your story. If that's you today here in Clovis, there in Madeira, Fresno, if that's you, would you just hold your hand up high without shame, without embarrassment? Just hold it up just before God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just hold it up. Hands going up all over. So many hands today. So many hands. God bless you. God bless you. There in Madeira, God bless you. There in Fresno, God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Now, now this is not just repeating a prayer, but it's meaning it with all your guts. It takes belief to be saved. That's all it takes is belief. And it's belief in Jesus. Say, say this when we say, Father God, today I give you my life. Come on, say it out loud. Say, say, I surrender my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he was raised from the dead. And today I surrender my life. Come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me and cleanse me of all my sins. Take the pen of my life and rewrite my story. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it up. So many hands. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.